If you have Bibles with you, would you please turn to Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians chapter 3. What I want to do this morning is to try and share with you some sort of prophetic direction that leaders in OCC are feeling and give you, if I can, some sense of where we feel God wants us to go in the next few years. Uh, So this is a sort of, it is a family talk, it's about what God's saying to us as family generally, as a group of churches, Um, but I want to try and put that in the context of what God wants for his church, what God is looking for in his church, because we're not unique and we're not on our own, Uh, we're part of a much bigger picture And so I'm first of all going to try and set things in the context of the bigger church and what God's looking for in his church and then talk about us and what we feel God's saying about us together. I want to start off though by reading this glorious prayer of the Apostle Paul. I wonder if you could just take me down a little bit. I'm hearing echo. Um, by reading this this absolutely glorious prayer of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians is all about God's heart for the church. God has big purposes for the church. The church isn't an added extra, just a club for those of us who uh, are Christians. It's absolutely central and pivotal to what God wants to do in the earth and in the nations. God has big plans for it, and we're part of those big plans. We're taking our place alongside many others to try and accomplish uh, God's plan for nations. And Paul, when he thinks about what God wants to do in the church, he keeps sort of stopping and bursting into prayer. Because when you see something, you can't help but just sort of stop. It even happens in trustees meetings. I was sitting in a trustees meeting on Wednesday evening with very uh, eminent trustees, you know, all our sort of best financial brains and business brains and all all the rest of it. People we value very, very much because uh, they watch that we do things well in the life of the church. And we're just in the middle of a conversation and suddenly uh, we sort of hit a little hiccup like a big hiccup, you know, I mean, sort of, and, and one of the trustees just bursts into prayer. Well, Lord, I pray that, da di da di da It was the only thing to do at that time. We had no answers. We had uh, no great wisdom because we were confronted with a situation which was tricky. So he does the best thing. He bursts into prayer. That's what happens in this letter of Paul to the Ephesians at various times. He's just so overwhelmed with all that God wants to do, he bursts into prayer. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, is one of his big prayers for the church. So I want to start there, because we want to start with the big picture this morning. For this reason, Paul prays, I kneel before the Father from whom... His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit 
in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. God wants Christ to dwell in everyone's hearts as they put their faith in him. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That's what they call an oxymoron. It's sort of says two completely different things at the same time. That you may know this love, the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge, that can never be known. How can you know something that can never be known? Well, Paul says, that's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you'll know something that can never quite be known. This love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now, that's another big prayer. That God should somehow fill you and me with, not not the measure of human fullness, but the measure of God's fullness. That we should be filled with the fullness of God. How does that work? And you can sort of hear the Ephesians thinking a little bit of unbelief in their their minds. They're saying, "Know know the love of God that can't be known filled with the measure of God's fullness. So, so Paul prays on. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. He's sort of saying, this is unimaginable, this prayer, isn't it? Uh, you know, that we should know the unknowable love of God and that we should be filled with all God's fullness. So, hey, but, but Paul's got big faith. He's got big vision. He understands God's big plans for the church. He says, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work in us. It's not because of our power. It's not because of our efforts. It's because of his power at work in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's a big prayer. And, do you know, we want to pray that for ourselves, don't we? That we should be, that we should know the unknowable love of Christ. Who wants to know more of the unknowable love of Christ? We, there's far, far more yet still to, to, to get to know. There's depths to plumb that we haven't plumbed yet, even though some of us have walked with God for a good many years. There's always more for us to get hold of and to grasp and to discover and to learn. Just thought I'd give you a little picture, as far as Paul's concerned, of God's stunning church. What Paul sees the church to be. Sometimes we talk church down. We're negative about church. And, well, some of our churches are a bit raggedy, aren't they? I mean, it's true. But, 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 but we need to have a vision like God has, and like Paul the Apostle has for church. And, and in the book of Ephesians, there are several different pictures for the church to try and give us some sense of understanding of what God is looking for in the church. The first comes in Ephesians chapter 2, where, he, where it says, Now, 
We are God's workmanship. That means we're God's work of art. Joe McCobb, God's work of art. What do you think of that, T.A.? Work in progress. Work in progress? <laughs> we're God's work of art. He's the master craftsman who is shaping something in us. In Henley, God is shaping something glorious for his purposes because he wants his glory to shine. I mean, he wants people to look at what's happening in Henley Baptist Church and say, wow, they're a good bunch. Uh, look at the love. Look at the, the goodness that is flowing out, the kindness and compassion that's flowing out into the neighborhood. Look at the way that they love God. Look at the dedication. Look at the obedience. He wants his glory to be seen because it's his work of art. He's doing something glorious in you. Now, I'm not an artist, as some of you know, but I do like a bit of art. I don't perhaps appreciate as much as somebody like Beverly Jones, who uh, is a professional, of course, in these matters, as we understand, but uh, God's an artist. He's a craftsman. He's producing something glorious with all sorts of contours and colors and, and different gifts and different abilities and different talents. We are his workmanship prepared in advance for good deeds. He's got, got good deeds that he wants to flow out of us who he's working on at the moment. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, Paul says, we're God's building, built together uh, built together on the foundation of Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's, he's the one who guides everything in his church, but on the, on the foundation also of apostles and prophets. They're the ones who bring God's word and direction to the church. And we're a house built together. What, just to be a house? No, no, no. So that God can come and live there. God wants to live in a house in Wantage. Amen? Okay. He wants to live in a house in Wantage. He wants to live in a house in Cote. He wants to live in a house in Carterton. He's, and, and the house is us. And he has plans for this house of his that he's drawing together. It's a building joined together. Um, there we go. Ephesians chapter 3 is this great prayer that he prays. He says, I'm praying to the Father that the family may feel his love. It's, we're a work of art, we're a building where he wants to live, and we're a family that's joined together by love, and we express that love together. We're a family basking in his love and uh, showing his love. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says the church is like a body that is joined together under the headship of Christ. But the great thing about the body is that every part of the body works. And Paul says this body grows up as every single part of the body does its work. As every single part of the body functions. That, you know, there is a huge difference between 
what came before Christ and what came after Christ. I'm, I'm sure you know that really, but what came before Christ, and unfortunately what still happens in a lot of churches is that God's people gather to worship and it all focuses around the priest at the front. Sadly, a lot of churches look like that too, still. Even though we're now in a new age, a new era, where Jesus turned everything on its head and said, actually, the church now is all about body, and the glory of Christ shines through this body where every part does its, plays its part, and everybody, every part works as it should. Every single member of the body of Christ has value in God's eyes. Every single member. Every single member. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, the church is a whole new breed of people. A whole new breed of people. Now, this bit is a little bit difficult to understand, but I want to try and explain it because it's ever so important. He says, God has done something so big in your lives that he's brought you out of darkness into light. He's taken you from there to there. He's done that. He's done that. He said, now, now that you're in the kingdom of light, live like children of the light. How do you live a Christian life? That's a big challenge. Who feels that they regularly fail being a very good Christian? Yeah, okay. It's really really tough. Well, Paul's answer is this. You have to become who you are. So you've been brought now into God's family. You've become a son or a daughter of, uh, of a heavenly father. Now become who you are. Become who you are. How do you do that? You can't. The answer in this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and fill you and fill you and fill you and fill you. And that way you can become who you are. You are already... now. If you try really, really hard, you still can't be a very good Christian. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it doesn't work. You know, you, you make some sort of, you know, some sort of vow that you're going to be a really good Christian this week, and you get cut up on the way to work in the car. Blown straight away, isn't it? What does he think he's doing? What, what, what a stupid way to drive. Did this person ever pass a test? You know, I mean, this, uh, you know, and immediately it's blown. You think, where did that come from? Well, it came, that came from it. So trying hard, trying hard doesn't produce a new breed of people. The only thing that produces a new breed of people is being filled with the Holy Spirit and letting him fill us and fill us and fill us and fill us and understand that we're weak, but he's strong. And understand that we need God's Spirit every moment of every day to fill us. And I really felt God wanted to say, as I was praying again this morning and uh, and sort of just brushing up my preparation, um, I really felt God say, there were a number of people that God wanted to actually minister today because you've been trying too hard. And, And trying too hard is a terrible effort, but it also leaves you feeling a big failure. 
And God wants to say, I want to take all the effort out of your life. I want to take the, the pressure out of your life because it just becomes a pressure. And then, then you, of course, you get under accusation because you're not doing very well. And, and I felt God wanted to say he wanted a new dynamic in your life, which was actually to let go of human effort and let the Holy Spirit come again. Be filled with the Holy Spirit again. This is Paul's vision for the people of God. It's really, really wonderful. And it's totally different from the old arrangement. There's a totally new arrangement now. We have been made children. Now we just have to become who we are, which is sons and daughters of the king. And then Paul says, here's another picture for you. We're the bride of Christ. And the thing about the bride is that the bride is in love with Christ. Some people, when they come to church don't find it very easy to sing love songs to Jesus. Uh, it, it's countercultural to, you know, the way many people live. But the truth is, we are totally absorbed and obsessed with Jesus. Because he's done everything for us. He came and he brought the life of God, and he brought the knowledge of God, and he opened the kingdom of heaven to everyone who believed, and he lives in us, and he walks by our side, and he listens to our prayers, and he answers us, and he heals us, and he helps us, and he's always there. Why should we not be obsessed and absorbed with Jesus? <laughs> and, and Paul says, here's what you are, you're the bride of Christ, in love with Christ. And finally, Ephesians chapter 6, you're the army of God standing strong together, standing strong in the Lord, as my PowerPoint says. How many of you, during songs where there are misprints, want to go to the back and correct the, the PowerPoint? I have to say, I'm a, I'm a born pedant as far as this is concerned. I think, oh no, another misspelt song. Oh. Have I got some friends here? Yeah, 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 I've got quite a few friends. Pedants of the world unite. Yeah. Well, there we are. There's another one. So, there you go. And that was mine. It was nobody else's. It was mine. I do know how to spell strong, by the way. <laughs> God has great vision for his church. There's another series of pictures for the church that I just want to sort of highlight for you. And, and another picture of God's... So, these are all glorious things that God wants to do amongst us. He wants a house all over the place where he can live. He wants God's people to be basking in his love. He wants us to be in love with Christ, passionately in love with Christ. He wants us to be an army strong in the Lord. This is all vision that he's got. In Kidlington, that's what he's looking to bring forth. Amen, Mark? A bit louder. Thank you. So no one else from Kidlington there to shout with you. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, well, here's another series of pictures for God's people, and it comes from Old Testament and New Testament, and God's people are people who are on the move. God's people are a people on the move. And we had it in that glorious story that Dave and Jenny led us all in at the beginning of the meeting, where you all had to do silly actions and talk about puffy clouds, just be grateful you don't have to do that during my talk. Okay. But, but basically, we are, God's people were to be a people on the move. There was a pillar of cloud that directed them by day and a pillar of fire at night. I don't know whether you've ever perceived in the story, in that story, at various times where the cloud and the fire turn up. Sometimes, 
Sometimes the cloud goes ahead and you have to follow it. In one or two of the stories, the cloud goes behind and pushes the people out. Have you read that? Yes, okay. Well, one or two have read it. <laughs> okay, it's easy, it's easy to miss, but watch out for it next time you read that. And, some, and the cloud goes ahead and leads us out, and that's very encouraging. Occasionally, the cloud kicks us out, boots us out, says, now go, I'm pushing you out. That's uh, what it's like for God's people on the move. Sometimes he starts a process and we follow willingly. Other times we don't follow so willingly and so he helps us by arranging circumstances that change things or whatever they may be and we're confronted with changing situations in our life and we have to learn how to follow God in those things. But we're a people on the move And God has ways of leading us forward. Psalm 84 talks about uh, how blessed are those who set their hearts on pilgrimage, on keeping moving with God. And it says, when they walk through the valley of Baca, that's a dry place, when they walk through desert places, they make it a place of springs. God's people are people on the move, and as we move with God, although it starts off feeling dry, we find the refreshment of God as we walk with him. Amen? (laughs) That's our experience as we walk with God. So God wants a people on the move. He doesn't want static people. He wants people who move. The disciples... Jesus called the disciples to him, said, come and train with me, because <laughs> I want to make you something. Actually, I want to make your life less comfortable than it is at the moment. Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> God calls us to himself, and he says, now I want to make you something. You think, oh, praise God, destiny coming my way. Yeah, but it makes your life less comfortable, not more comfortable. Okay? So disciples become apostles. I would like you to know that that's his vision for you. He wants you to be a disciple, but he doesn't want to be apostles, just the people at the front. He wants every one of his people to be sent out into his world so that he can speak through them and heal through them and help through them and serve through them and save through them. That's an apostolic people. God wants us to be people on the move. Tomorrow you are going where? You may say, I'm going to work. Well, exactly. God is sending you there. Why is he sending you there? Well, he's sending you there to honor your boss and do a good day's work. That's always... But he's sending you there to be a son or a daughter of his there. Uh, Jesus said in the parable of the wheat and the tares... The, the seed is, are the sons and daughters of the kingdom. God's planted his people in the world. He wants us to be a people on the move. So we come to get some training, and he scatters us out during the week where the church gathered today and the church scattered tomorrow. That's his great plan. We're still the church tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. We haven't lost our identity. We're still the church. We're still sons and daughters of the king. And we're sent out as an apostolic people to do what he wants us to do. I 
love what happens at the end of the Acts of the Apostles. Have you noticed? Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter, well, Acts chapter 28 finishes exceedingly abruptly. Have you noticed that? You think, well, I like to know the end of the story, but you never know the end of the story of the Acts of the Apostles, and I'll tell you why. Because we're the ones who are living Acts 29. And God's people throughout the ages have been seeking to live in the power of the Holy Spirit to do Acts chapter 29 type stuff, which we don't have a program or a design for. We have certain pointers and certain indicators in the Scripture, but we have to do by following the Holy Spirit because the Acts is all about men and women who followed the Holy Spirit and made it up with the Holy Spirit. We're a people on the move. So in OCC, we feel that God's telling us we're to be a family on the move. There's change coming, and I think that was prophesied so clearly this morning, uh, it was unmistakable. And I want to say thank you to those who prophesied, because I think we've had some of the clearest prophetic words this morning for a long time. I mean here, publicly, in one of our celebrations. And the, the word was very clear, be prepared for change. Now, who here, naturally speaking, likes change? who doesn't enjoy change. Well, it's worth just recognizing that. I remember many, many years ago throwing out one of these sort of provocative questions on a Sunday morning in one particular congregation in OCC. And I said, will you still be sitting in the same chair in 10 years? And, And as I was shaking hands with people at the door, this lady comes past me, not an old lady, a young lady, well, at the time, And she said, you know when you ask that question, in my heart I said, I very much hope so. (laughs) I have to say the idea was unthinkable to me. Um, But but nonetheless, it's not necessarily that easy for us, and not necessarily easy for us to live change. But we feel that God has been speaking to us, that he wants a family on the move, and there are changes that need to come, and we need to walk with those. So, if we're going to get the move... If we're going to be able to move with God, well, first of all, we need to get a bit of direction, don't we? I mean, like, change is okay, but not change for change's sake. We need to know where we're going. And a few years ago, uh, actually at one of our area leaders' retreats, when we were away together, happens once a year, our area leaders go away for a weekend and seek to refresh themselves in God and just spend time with him. And one of the most valuable times, as far as I'm concerned, that we've had over the years But I think it was about five years ago that we were in one of those gatherings and God spoke to us prophetically. And he said, you are one family, but I'm changing you into three regions. And uh, what's to come now is not to be one, but three. This sounds like a good Trinitarian prophecy, doesn't it? Um, so, uh, So... The thrust was very, very clear that God wanted to develop us into three. We have, over the last, uh, what, 20-odd years, developed as a family of churches working together in the county of Oxfordshire because that's what God told us to do. Uh, And we believe that God has helped us and blessed us in a whole variety of ways. It's not been perfect by any means. There have been challenges and, uh, and obstacles that we've had to face at various times. And sometimes it's easier for a church to work on their own than try and work in harmony with others. But 
we felt God that spoke that God spoke to us to do what we've done and and we've done it and uh, that's been very very important but he's saying something different now at this stage of the journey that we're on that he wants to develop three regions uh, actually one of the things we need to understand is that the there is a purpose and God has spoken to us prophetically at various times over the last few years and given us some you know, additional sort of sense of purpose. Uh, and one of, the, one of the pictures that he gave to us was OCC is like a house that's been built and it's lots of extensions stuck on here and the plumbing has become very complicated. And sometimes, you know, people have some idea of the area church as being some huge administrative beast. Uh, I hope it's not. Uh, nobody wants to be that. Uh, you do have to have certain structures in place to get some things done. That's, that's for sure. But, but God said to us, I want to simplify your plumbing. And I want to rip out a whole load of the plumbing. And I want to put fires in different places. And we felt this gave us a key to some of the change that he wanted to make. Um, that he wanted to simplify plumbing and he wanted to light fires. Uh, and we like the image of fire. We like the sense that you know, we want more of God's life uh, across all that we're doing, don't we? Amen. So what we've been doing over the last three or four years, and many of you know this because you've seen you know, regional celebrations and regional leads, leaders' gatherings and regional men's days and regional women's days. We've been trying to work. What we've been trying to do is to prepare the ground over the last few years since God spoke to us, because one of the very important principles, it seems to me, is that you do things step by step. You can't do everything all at once. And sudden change really actually can often, uh, can often mess things up more than it helps things. So we've been trying to go at a pace that we feel you know, the Holy Spirit can lead us and guide us and direct us. And so we have been building teams in each of the regions. When I talk about regions, some of you say, well, where exactly are we talking about? Well, we've given them names, obviously. First of all, the Western region. Thank you very much. Yes, you, you can cheer if that's you. That's fine. The Western region, which is led by Gary. Well, some people obviously know where they belong, um, is West Whitney, North Whitney, Cote, Carterton, the Witchwoods, Chipping Norton, and Morton in Marsh. And we've got about four from there this morning. And uh, so, so that's the, the Western region. That's being led by a team that is being led by uh, Gary Pizzi at this moment of time. And uh, we're very grateful for how that's developing. Uh, here, uh, well, then we go south. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, south comprises Didcot, Henley. Abingdon, Wantage, and Swindon's beginning to gather as well. Um, and they've been working together in various ways, just building relationship for mutual encouragement. One of the principles that has been important to us over the years is that we are stronger together than we are on our own, and we can accomplish more together than we can on our own. Uh, that's just been a very, very important cardinal principle, something God spoke to us over 30 years ago, and we've been trying to walk in that for this time. Uh, the central region is... Yay! Thank you! <laughs> 
Did you, uh, have you paid them? No. Okay. Is Oxford, Bister, Stroke, Banbury, Tame, <laughs> Kidlington? Um, where else? Oh, now this is, uh, and the Lees. Okay. I need just to say there's been a slight shift. This is hot off the press news that last uh, Monday, I think it was, when the Lees leaders met, they've been, they've been hovering a little bit. Do we align with the centre? Do we align with the South? But they, and they've enjoyed some fellowship with the South, and the South have been very welcoming to them, but on Monday they felt God speak to them that they should realign with the centre and the centre region uh, because God wants to do something big uh, around the city of Oxford. So there we are. Um, so, so those are the regions. So we've been preparing the, ta- the ground, we've been building teams and relationship, and uh, we believe there's, that we're now at a time where, in a sense, we've been doing sort of a bit of both and, uh, no, OCC area and regions. We'll continue to do a bit of both and, I'll explain that in a moment. Uh, but now is the time to commission clearly what God spoke about and what has been begun. And in particular, we want to commission those leadership teams in each region, and we want to commission those who are leading the teams, and they are Gary in the west and Neil in the south and Steve uh, in the the center here. And at our next celebration in November, we will be doing that. So we'll be commissioning those teams and commissioning the leaders to say, go, go, go. I think that's a Thunderbirds thing, isn't it? Is that right? Anyway, go, go, go. Regions, teams, leaders, etc. We want to commission it. We want to say, God, we believe you've spoken about this. Now there's a time of commissioning and sending and making clear and, you know, giving authority and responsibility. Because if you give authority, that means responsibility. Okay, so we're giving that and giving that, and so that's what we're doing. So that allows the whole thing to move forward. Now, as we've been talking as leaders, sort of some people said, will we still sort of get together occasionally, and will we still sort of be a family as well, or is everything going to be broken down? Well, I hope nothing will be broken down. I hope that everything will be multiplied. Uh, But the picture that I have is of a family. If God talks about us being a family, it's like a family. And, uh, you know, families grow up and eventually they leave home. For a few years they do both, they come and they go. And then eventually they go. So my eldest, eldest son, Mark, is sitting over the back there. He has gone. Uh, he went, first of all, to university. Anyway, he found himself a wife as well. And now he's gone. They've set up their home. They now have their children. And they are paying their bills. <laughs> and that's the most important. <laughs> that's, that's called taking responsibility. Okay, now, 
we are still family. So amongst the first people that I greeted this morning were my two grandchildren, my son Mark, because uh, they're still family. And we all get together as family. So family doesn't disintegrate, it disperses, but it doesn't disintegrate. So family is still family. And so we will still be family across our different regions. The leaders believe this with their whole hearts, uh, that we're still part of one family, but we're working as effectively and as fruitfully as we can in three regions. We believe that's what God is calling us to do. Uh, And I'll still be around as a father. Well, I'll still be around a bit. Some of you who know me won't know what that means. But I'll be around as a father. Other of the... Uh, you know, the other older ministry like my age will still be around as fathers and guides. We'll still be around, so there'll still be sort of fatherhood in place. But the separate households are going to be released and commissioned to get on with what God is calling them to do. And we think that's exactly what he's saying to us at the moment. So this will actually happen at our November celebration. It's already happening it's already, the ground is already being, be, be pre, being prepared, but we're going to give it a push and a release at that time. But on November celebration, um, the leader of the UK team of Salt and Light, Mark Mumford, will also be with us. He'll be speaking to us. And uh, I'm very grateful that he's going to be alongside when we come to pray for those teams, because I think that will be a very significant time. What do we want to happen out of all of this? Because all of this has to have a sense of purpose. Here are some of the key goals. Well, I've already mentioned the first one. What we're going to do is to commission the teams to develop life and strategy for their regions. For many years, the old apostolic team was the one that sort of thought strategically about area church life and so on. That will change completely. The new teams will be the ones who are going to, like, take on the baton and develop life and strategy for those three regions. Remember what Graham prophesied this morning. There is much ground still to be taken. I felt as he was prophesying that I was probably Joshua, but I was just glad that I hadn't got to 110 yet. I wouldn't mind getting there as long as... Anyway, never mind. Um... But there's a a time for release. There's still lots of ground to be taken. There's still empty spaces to be filled with the the life of the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to happen. And what we're praying for out of all of this is more new birth. If this doesn't result in more salvation, this is what we've got to pray for, then it's just... You know, rearranging the chairs on the Titanic, isn't it? It's just another structural change. No, 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 no. It's got to be about more new birth. We've got to see salvation come to this county, come to many, many, many homes and families and people in every one of our regions. We want to see salvation poured out, don't we? Amen. That's ever so important. It's all about new birth, new kingdom thrusts and projects, new life of the Spirit being poured out. I love that prophecy of Kate's about the water flowing uphill. Funny thing is, Kate, I've been, I have walked the Kinder Scout many times as a young person. I've never seen it flowing uphill. So I was interested in your prophetic word. But listen, wouldn't we love to see 
the life of the Holy Spirit flowing uphill into places it shouldn't go and doing miraculous things. Isn't that what we want? That's what we want to pray for and changing people in surprising ways. And we say amen to that prophetic word. It's about new church plants, new missional communities, God's kingdom growing and transforming everything. That's what it's about. Amen? That's what we want. Um, And to come back to that prophetic word... I did like the word about keeping going till we find the road as well. (laughs) That might be a word for you two, Andy and Ruth. Anyway, there you go. That was something that Graham whispered in my ear (laughs) as we were just sitting there listening to you prophesying. Anyway, there you go. Pardon? No, no. (laughs) But to go back to the prophetic word that the leaders got in one of their gatherings, we believe it's about lighting fires everywhere. And it's about the fire of God coming down, people touching the life of God, the love of God, fires everywhere in me, in you, in new regions, in empty and cold places. Amen? That's what we want. God's got marvelous plans for his people, marvelous plans for his church. He's got great future, and he wants us to keep moving towards it. And that's what we want. So what we're going to do in a moment is to stand up and lift up our hands and pray. Pray If you've seen something, let's just pray that God does what he's spoken about. Let's just pray that God does what he's spoken about prophetically even this morning. Let's pray for hearts to embrace change and embrace the new thrust of the kingdom. And at the end, we do want to pray for some individuals specifically. And I just want to need to confer with Neil for a moment. I believe there's healing that God wants to do this morning. I believe that there are some people who have been in a cycle of self-effort And God wants to break a cycle of self-effort in your life so that he can fill you with his Holy Spirit and and you can find a whole new dimension of being carried by the Spirit of God so that you can become who you are as a son and daughter of the King. And uh, I believe that there's even people here who know that the fire's gone out and God wants to light the fire within you. But before we pray for individuals, we want to pray for our county. We want to pray for our churches. And so can we be upstanding, please? And let's just lift our hands together, and I want to encourage you to pray in English for your church. We'll do it uh, a la Koreon, as they say, in other words, like they do in South Korea. We'll do it all together, lift up our hands, pray for your town, your village, your church, your situation. Pray for the fire of God to come. Pray for these changes to release more of God's purposes where they are. Please pray aloud, as loud as you can, so that we can have the sense of faith rising for our situation. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for these places where you have planted us, Lord. And we want to pray for the fire of God to come in the mighty name of Jesus. We want to pray for revival fires to be lit across our county in Jesus' name. We thank you for all that you have done, but we pray for more more in the mighty name of Jesus. We pray that you will do things that we have only dreamt of. We pray you will do things beyond our wildest dreams and imagination. We want to pray for revival in every one of our churches that will flow out from a passionate life in God into new birth in our communities. We pray for new birth everywhere across this county. Lord, we pray you will liberate new life 
by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to do something fresh and new in this county for the glory of your name. Lord, we don't want just to be good churches. We want to be good life carriers to other people. Will you help us, please, Lord God, to carry the life of God to all sorts of people and situations around us that we might see your kingdom come. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray that you will move powerfully for the glory of your name, for the increase and expansion of your kingdom. Lord, in Jesus' name, help us to be willing to embrace change and to flow with it and to get fresh anticipation and expectation, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that you would prepare us for new adventures of faith and for moving out in new directions, in Jesus' name and for the glory of God. Amen.